is the Under Centre Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Under Centre Podcast. I am your host for today, John Malloy, joined, of course, as always, by Jake Woolhead. And unfortunately, we are without Dara today. He's feeling a little bit under the weather. Jake, I suspect the absolute thrashing they got from the Washington football team last night had a serious amount to do with that. It's a bit of a man flu for Dara. I think he's only uh, taking the day off because he's a bit bet up, much like a lot of the Seahawks players. Unlike yourself, Fionn, living on a, uh, a dream. Also, me too, except for watching last night's game was a bit of a pain, but uh, what can you do? Yeah, lucky for me, I uh, I was feeling under the weather yesterday, so I didn't stay up and watch the game. Just watched the 40-minute highlights. was was about as long as I probably needed to watch. If I had to watch two and a half, three hours of that, I would have struggled through it, I have to say. So we obviously have it on, on our wheel of topics today, so we'll see if it comes up. But yeah, uh, as a Washington fan, in case it doesn't come up, we're definitely taking a pinch wait, of salt, right? wait. No, don't let's not. We're just gonna go and do it because I just feel like we have to do it. We can't not do it. You have to go and do it. Okay, let's just assume that our first wheel spin has been the Washington Seahawks game because I too watched this game this morning. Okay, okay, well, okay, let's in. get let's get right into it then, Jake. What what were your first of all overall thoughts of the game? Um, oh, wow. That was, it was just a hard game to watch, to be honest. Not only did I want the Washington football team to lose purely out of spite because I knew I had to come on here today, but uh, just it was just poor to watch. There was like mm-hmm. the offensive play call for the Seahawks looked terrible. It wasn't creative. There was a lot of weird situations where you're just leaving yourself third and long. Russell Wilson was making a lot of mistakes. Jamal Adams was having his businessman day where he was uh, attempting to go for some tackles, but not really doing a whole lot other than that. Um, poor defense on the, the Seahawks. And uh, I, don't, I don't know, Taylor Heineke looks good, looks okay, but I feel like the, the football team would be in a stronger position had they got a real quarterback, should I say. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether I can attribute the Washington defense coming up strong as opposed to the Seahawks offense just being really poor. Yeah, I think that's what I wanted to say as I was leading up to this. As a Washington fan, it's got to be a pinch of salt, right? Unfortunately, in years past, that would be a marquee win during your season, an excellent defense and a dangerous offense. This season, it's just not. And like you mentioned, it's hard to know. It's obviously good for the defense. One mistake, I feel like right at the end, uh, with Everett coming into the game, he hadn't played a whole lot of football. It was a bad mistake, but understandable given that He's one of your rotation guys. It's not a position you would have wanted him to put in. I guess Collins was a little bit banged up and he kind of had to come out. He was actually having one of his better games since he's moved to that hybrid safety linebacker role. So I think that flattered as well the Seahawks offense. That gave them that six points and even the two-point conversion to try and try. I think they would have ran out of time without that huge conversion right down the middle, obviously directly for a touchdown. So... Uh, a little bit of pinch of salt. I think what they had probably, what, 48 seconds come, like when they got the ball mm-hmm. back initially. I, I, like they had no no timeouts or one timeout. No timeouts. No, no timeouts, time yeah. I think there is enough time to kind of battle your way up the top, but you'd want to be relying on a stronger t- mm-hmm. offensive team. That was just poor all around. Yeah. Had they not hit that up the seam on a blown coverage, then you're probably talking about them hitting fourth down on the very next down and then yeah. probably missing that and that's game over right there. 
and I think but it was also I, poor poor design on the two point uh, conversion as well. I t- yeah. I seen somebody run to the other side that was wide open. He was waving his hands on that two two point, and Russell Wilson tries to thread it into a little small space. Uh, gets broken or intercepted, actually. In fact, look, we, I think we need. It's now time to focus on Russell Wilson. I've been saying jokingly to to Dara that I think he's hit the cliff. <laughs> And I mean that in in a sense that his talent is still there. We can see him. He still has that huge arm, that deep ball accuracy. But the problem is the line isn't there. The rest of the team should be there, but just isn't clicking. And he's just not playing in a weird way what Heineke is doing and has slowly grown into that role of understanding what he does well and what the team does well and playing to suit the team. For instance, I don't think that Russell Wilson settled into that game at all. He missed a lot of throws high, especially at the start of the game. They were going for a middle chunk, let's say, those middle plays, 10 to 20 yards, a lot. On the flip side, Heineke's first eight completions or eight of his first nine completions were for less than 10 yards. But because of that, Washington, Washington had the ball 15, 20. At the end of the second half, I believe we had already run 30 more plays than the Seahawks. It's very difficult to win a game. It's very hard to watch a game like that, but it's very hard (laughs) to win a game when you're giving up that many different plays. And that's classic Russell Wilson, right? Now he feels like he has to be explosive because he doesn't have those plays. And that's not been working out this season as much as last season. And seeing as Dara's not here, I think Dara still is on that Seahawks bandwagon of, glorifying Russell Wilson a little bit. We have to accept he has not been playing well on this poor, poor season for them, either despite the play calling and the coaching, which we'll touch on in a minute or two. But let's focus on Russell Wilson right now, Jake. How have you seen his season progress so far? It, it just hasn't looked good. Any of it hasn't looked good. Um, like the, you can come up with a lot of excuses, but it kind of plays out the same for half the teams in the league. Poor offensive line and poor play call. And we all know that's the crooks of most poor offensive teams are offensively performing bad teams. They uh, have poor O-line, so there's no time to throw. But you see time and time again that other quarterbacks make the throws, like the short throws or the smart decisions, throwing the ball out of bounds. But I think there was a play on that last drive for the Seahawks that I noticed. And Russell Wilson was trying to, uh, he was obviously trying to hit the big ball, but he got sacked. You have no timeouts. You can't be yeah. afford to taking the sack. I think it was on third down or something like that. They converted, in, or I can't remember if they converted or not, but it's just, that was poor decision making. I don't know whether he's just gotten into a weird mental thing in his head where now he has to play hero ball, but it's not working out for the Seahawks. I don't know. And as well, it legitimately, them the offensive plays were just, terrible like i don't know whether it was exclusively uh, executed badly or just poor plays probably both but a lot of the time they were in third and long situations the line wasn't holding up and that washington d line was like ferocious towards the end of that game they were Mm -hmm. not letting up and it was working for them had there not been a blown blown coverage as we discussed that game ends a whole lot differently yeah and uh i think for the seahawks it's just a fact of Russell playing like the old Seahawks and not playing to the new Seahawks. And for me, this is where I get annoyed, right? This is the same man who wanted to be a GM, call his call his shots, tell them who to draft, right? He knows, he's been told, he's been in the discussions and he's complained how bad his O-line is. Why he thinks that means that they're going to sit there and protect him for five minutes. Jake, we were texting off <laughs> offline before this. 
every play to DK Metcalf in the first three quarters was just a go route. Just go. And yes, he's big. He's broad. He's very difficult to cover for a long time. But the cornerbacks on the Washington, they're not the highest top end speed, but they've got enough speed to cover him for that first, first, second, two seconds of that route. And by the time it's getting to break where his top end speed is, is beginning to show, that ball either is already had to be thrown to a check down, is getting sacked in Russell Wilson's hand, or he's thrown the ball four yards over Everett's head, which he did, I think, about four or five times in that game. So I think that's there's a lot to work on if you're the Seahawks. And I'm not convinced, based on what I'm seeing right now, that every problem is down to Pete Carroll, as Dara would have us believe. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm in agreement with you there. Uh, there's a whole lot of problems. It, it just looks like the Giants of a few years ago, Eli Manning, poor offensive line, some good offensive uh, weapons, but the quarterback's just not getting the job done with the in combination with the offensive line. So uh, maybe just trade Russell Wilson <laughs> as soon as uh, the offseason begins, get a new head coach, and hopefully you can get uh, some nice assets back for him. Yep. Uh, before we move on to the wheel, we'll just touch really quickly on Washington and then that way we won't have to talk about them anymore, Jake, so you get it all done in one painful go. Uh, obviously, three wins on the bounce is fantastic uh, for the team, especially how bad it looked coming into the bye week. Uh, however, as I mentioned at the top, I think it's a pinch of salt. Outside of the Buccaneers win, first of all, we looked bad against the bad Broncos team who beat us 17-10. The Panthers, I believe, we also made look much better than they are based on how they got absolutely hammered this weekend as well. Uh, and Cam Newton did not look good. And he looked very capable when he played against us. So I think that was another uh, slow defensive day for us. And then, of course, we've already mentioned the Seahawks. Not particularly brilliant team this year. So it sounds like a great win, but that's a legacy Seahawks name and nothing really to do with their record this season. Coming up will be the big test. The 6-5 and five Raiders... That will tell you now if your team has really improved. That's a game we definitely would lose at the start of the season. <laughs> and a team above 500, just about, is, I think is a nice warm-up, especially because they've just beaten the Cowboys and we then go and have to play the Cowboys straight after the Raiders. So an important couple of games coming up for the Washington football team. Uh, do you think we could be a pain in the side? By no means am I saying we might sneak into the playoffs again. Absolutely. And I think if we do... A lot of teams are going to be nervous because we're a really awkward team to play against, especially if the recent success continues till the end of the season. What's like with the Washington football team as it stands is they seem to just play up to the opponent anyway, mm -hmm. regardless. They can put up the 35 points, which we've seen them do. They can hold other offenses down like we have seen them. And they are legitimately going to be a pain. It's like, Having like if their defense comes into a little bit of a role and they're strong, offense are gonna have to start worrying about it. Taylor Honecky is coming into another like kind of a, a new level of Taylor Taylor Honecky, and he's mm -hmm. just playing a lot better. So yeah, they're gonna be give a lot of teams like a lot of hassle coming into the playoffs, and you could probably sneak in. Cowboys continue to play poorly Thursday mm -hmm. night game. They have the COVID issues, so you never know. They drop another game. The Washington, well, I don't know how many how many games are you out. Uh, we're two games behind, two losses behind the Cowboys. We play the Cowboys twice in the next four games. Uh, but we are currently sitting in that last wildcard playoff spot. So uh, as things continue, we will be in the playoffs. But yeah, I think it's difficult. By no means am I saying are we a good team? 
I'm not delusional. There's a lot to work on. But all of a sudden now, we've become very difficult to play against because we're just about good enough at all the things that makes it hard to play. We just about have a good enough D-line with our superstars injured. Just about now having back-end play on the defense that at least only makes three or four mistakes instead of 10 and 12 mistakes during a game <laughs> to give up chunk plays. And I really think McKissick and Gibson are a big problem. They're that kind of really awkward thing that you don't see week in, week out. They are not the best two running backs in the league, but they are very good at what they do. And I think now, one big problem Washington has had for a long time is, now if we get in the red zone, it's dangerous. We saw McKissick get a 12, I think, or 15-yard touchdown run, or maybe it was a, a swing pass. I don't remember exactly, but before, that was unheard of for Washington. We had to struggle. As soon as that field got really short, our playbook got really small. So now we have that a bit of dynamic ability to score if you let us too close. That's just enough to be awkward for a lot of teams coming down the stretch. Yeah, 100%. Um, it was annoying watching how easily they, the running backs of the, the football team last night just seemed to be able to do whatever they wanted. They were very rarely, or at least looked like very rarely, touched behind the line of scrimmage. And I don't know, they were getting 10, 12 yards, as you said, mm -hmm. and, and the touchdown. And Antonio Gibson looked great. And I, mm -hmm. I think I heard on the, the he only played what? three games as a running back in college or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it yeah. was crazy yeah. how how it looks so natural to him now. So obviously he's coming into his own. I, th I think it's astonishing. Every time I see him, he looks small. And those, the commentators <laughs> keep dropping. He's 235. I'm like, oh my he's, God. He's a, he does not like... look 235, but he is a big dude. Holy yeah, moly. I would not like to be trying to tackle that cunt. <laughs> anyway, we've banged on about the Seahawks and Washington long enough. Now we'll give you a break. We'll give the listeners a break. We are not a podcast about our own teams. We are an NFL podcast. So we'll jump in. I am in control of the wheel of topics. Now we have it here on front of us uh, and we're going to get into it. I'm going to hit it on a spin now and we'll see what comes up. Ooh, oh, a little noise and all. See, that's my professionalism. Dara, <laughs> Dara usually has that muted. <laughs> Came for the Panthers. That is what we've got. Uh, of course, the Panthers had a very poor game this weekend. Uh, they were playing, remind me now, uh, they were playing the Dolphins, a pretty poor Dolphins that has had a very bad defense for a while. And I have to say, the Panthers started, I believe, with a blocked punt that went for a touchdown for the <laughs> For the Dolphins and the day didn't get much better than that going forward. Maybe the biggest painful piece of news from that whole thing is, of course, that uh, Christian McCaffrey is now out for the rest of the season, no matter how far the Panthers get, if they do manage to scrape into the playoffs. That's a huge loss and starting to become a big problem, Jake, for Christian McCaffrey, all these injuries piling up. I mean, I don't want to like toot my own horn, but before the season start, we talked to uh, the guys on the fantasy podcast, and they were saying McCaffrey's not injury prone. I drafted him again, or at least kept him in my league, and he has missed almost the entire season. So uh, this is—it's hard to watch. I seen a tweet there the other day, and it was um, after the Panthers had tweeted that they. Um, that they were putting him on injured reserve, therefore ending his season. Somebody said uh, they must have just had that saved in their drafts for whenever it happens again, because it just seems to be happening a little bit too much now. However, it is 
good time for Chubba Hubbard, maybe just to see what we can do at the end of the season here. But uh, it, it's always difficult when there's a bit of uh, kind of tumultuousness in the quarterback room as a running back, because if you have a successful quarterback, you're going to be more successful. And uh, it doesn't look like Cam Newton is going to give you the best chance of success here. And where does that come from? Is that Cam Newton being this tag that all players hate, being injury prone? It's a tough tag to give everyone. They put their bodies on the line every week. Or is it mismanagement by the Panthers, not necessarily in training or in strength and conditioning, which we have seen, especially in the Washington football team, they've been accused of that. And we have had many, many injuries for a long time. Uh, But is it, for instance, the Saints seem to be able to keep Alvin Kamara, who does a very similar role for them, available week in, week out, year on year, something that the Panthers have not had since Christian McCaffrey first came into the league. Well, uh, well, Alvin Kamara has been injured. Uh, Kamara has been injured recently, has he not? He missed a couple of games. Just a couple. Yeah, I think Just he only couple, missed yeah. maybe... I don't know how many it is, but yeah, like he seems to be a lot healthier than Christian McCaffrey. And, mm. and ever since signing that big money contract, Christian McCaffrey has been not as reliable as he was before signing the big money contract. Um, I don't know if it's mismanagement or it's something like that. The injuries seem to be different for him. Like, I think he had his hamstring. This one, he rolled his ankle. So there's different injuries playing into it. Maybe it's just pure unfortunate, maybe a bit unlucky for him. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's kind of really hard to say, but maybe it's like the Panthers aren't going anywhere by the looks of things. Mm-hmm. They don't seem to be performing too well. So uh, it's not like he's going to miss a chance at the Super Bowl. And Cam Newton looked very, very poor. Uh, is there anything he can do right now? Is this about play calling, putting in him in the right positions? Uh, is it maybe just a fluke, given that they went down with that block punt early to Dolphins that kind of made him chase the game, something he didn't have to do against Washington, and that maybe let him kind of, it forced him to make throws that he's not in rhythm doing. I mean, he, it's not like he missed every pass, but he did not well, look really, had- really sharp. He had 21 pass attempts and five completions. It's not a great, great stuff. Not him, a great stat, no. We we seen him last year in the Patriots. He was terrible. We seen him coming towards the end of his Panthers. He wasn't great. They wanted to get rid of him. Um, it's just he just doesn't look like the same player he once was. I don't know why that is, but I think he would be better suited to them goal line packages or them short yardage situations. You want to get them two, three yards. You have mm. a play where you have your 11th player on the field is a running quarterback who is big. So give it to him in them situations. I, I don't feel like he's capable anymore of running the show. I don't know if the game is different. If you have Sam Darnold in for most of it and Cam Newton takes a sort of Taysom Hill type role where he's doing the smaller things and he's doing the little handoffs. We know he can throw, but he just is not accurate anymore whatsoever. And what about PJ Walker? He only had five completions himself, two interceptions. Uh, <laughs> Was that a case of, look, you're thrown in late in the game, you're not warmed up, you're not in the rhythm, it's very difficult to do. I don't think that they want to keep, the Panthers, I mean, want to keep him around long term. I do think they're obviously going to look at, um, for for Cam Newton to, to exceed uh, and succeed, I mean, uh, and develop much better and fit back into that offense. And also, uh, his name escapes me. Who's there? In- Sam Darnold also has not developed the way they have. But again, that's a new system. Maybe they're hoping to tweak it out. So I don't think PJ Walker is their go-to guy, but who would you use now for the last, I don't know, what is it, five, six games of the season? 
Well, do we know who how Sam Darnold is? Because we can't I forget. Don't. We we can't forget that. Um, what's the head coach of the Panthers' name? Matt Rule. Matt Rule didn't want Cam Newton at all. Mm-hmm. That's why he initially sent him off, and he has Sam Darnold now. So that's who he wanted to play with. So I, if Sam Darnold becomes healthy, I think that's who they should play. I don't mm-hmm. think they should they, even. I don't know whether you want to even play Cam Newton anymore in a full time role. You might see what you have with PJ Walker. If he's a young guy, he played in the XFL. You might find a diamond in the rough type job, but. Uh, I think they're trying to see how Sam Darnold is. Unfortunately, he is injured at the moment, and they trade all their picks, so they kind of feel like they have to see mm-hmm. what they have in Sam Darnold. I don't know what the plan is it, without Sam Darnold. Cam Newton seemed to be a bit of a plug just to put the hold them over until Sam Darnold comes back. So, Yeah, it's going to be tough times, no matter who plays under centre for the Panthers. Their final games are the Falcons, the Bills, the Bucks, the Saints, and then the Bucks again. So uh, not a very easy running into the end of the season, especially when your quarterback room is a little bit uncertain at the moment. But we'll leave that there. We'll get another spin in and we'll try and do maybe two more before we finish up. So we'll see what the next spin gives us. You're off screen. Oh, sorry. Hang on. Ooh, yes, this is one that we can both enjoy. Yes. Cowboy (laughs) season slip sliding away. They are on a losing streak at the moment, and the rest of the NFC East is slowly managing to claw their way back into contention. Is this a classic Fionn anti-Cowboys overreaction, or is this a perfectly Cowboys typical slide that comes at the end of every season where they tell us at the start they're going to be Super Bowl champs, and by the end, they're not even NFC East champs? I hope so. I'm on your side in this one as another NFC East fan. Well, Giants fan, but um, it's always nice to see the Cowboys fail a little bit, uh, especially because every year they're Super Bowl contenders, according to every Cowboy fan ever. Uh, It's nice to see them not win a couple in a row. Thanksgiving game was not great. I mean, they were missing two of their top playmakers, but they had a strong offensive line in that game. Tony Pollard and Zeke were still there, so certainly should have went a little bit better for them. Yeah, and then the 30-16 to 16 loss even before that, a game before that uh, against the Broncos is not really painting a great picture. The reason I think we put them especially on this wheel of topics is because it's just come out that I believe up to eight players have now been put on the COVID list. They are, of course, on a short week playing the Saints this week on a Thursday night football game. That's going to be really challenging, Jake. How do you see that go? At the moment, the bookies have them four and a half point favorites still. The Saints have had their own problems. It's not really sure who's even going to be under center for them. Is this going to be a big challenge for the Cowboys or something they can they can smooth over rather quickly? I think if they're if they're going to get right against a team, it's probably the Saints starting Trevor Simeon or Taysom Hill. It looks like Taysom Hill is getting the first team snaps and uh, quarterback this game. But we know what Taysom Hill is, really. So um, I, I feel like it's probably, like, if this goes to Cowboys' favour, maybe not by four and a half, but mm-hmm. I certainly think they, they probably come out with this one on a win. They kind of need to, to get their season back on track. I believe Amari Cooper still has some symptoms, so uh, he might also miss another game, even though this would be after his 10 days. But if he's still feeling symptoms, then he can't go. So this is going to no. be a tough game, no doubt. I really agree with you because... 
the Saints defense has not played well this season, but we know how well it can play when it's on fire. And they are going to look to try and prove themselves this week, I feel like. And of course, with Taysom Hill and this Cowboys defense not playing well the last couple of weeks, he gives enough dynamic, dangerous talents. He might not be the best quarterback available, but he's definitely dangerous enough to cause a lot of problems for these Cowboys. Don't be surprised if he has over 100 yards rushing against this Cowboys defense. Yeah, I can see it. Um, he's questionable at the moment. Uh, Alvin Kamara is so we'll have to see how that progresses. But that could be a big know, dent. Yeah, we know Mark Mark Ingram is more than capable of getting some of them yards mm-hmm. back. So, um, again, it, it will it, it will rely on the game script. If the if the Cowboys go ahead, then the running kind of goes out the window, and then you're left with Taysom Hill or slash Trevor Simeon throwing the ball. So mm-hmm. that changes it, the game completely. And it doesn't get any easier because then they've, of course, got the Washington football team, your New York Giants, my Washington football team again, the Arizona Cardinals at 9-2, and two, and then the Philadelphia Eagles. And whatever you want to say about the NFC East, they are always very close games. You do not want to finish your season in rivalry games looking for wins because those games can be really unpredictable. They could easily hammer Washington by 40 and then on the return game in two weeks' time, lose by 15. We saw them do it against Atlanta last season, wasn't it? They they beat Atlanta out the gate, and then they came back two weeks later, and they lost in a kind of a shock, a shock defeat to Atlanta. And I think at this point, between the Giants, the Eagles, and Washington, there's enough teams there that are starting to get hot that can, number one, cause them problems in-game, and number two, really push them for that number one spot in the NFC East. Yeah, I think uh, the NFC is the most scrappy conference uh, or uh, division. In Best the football to watch. It's the closest competition. <laughs> And I will take no slander of the NFC. Oh, it's it's deadly. It's the best best overall in the NFL to watch. There's no one team that's running away with it. Cowboys look like they have it in hand, and now their season is up in the air. So, uh, the last they have three games against NFC opponents in the coming weeks. Uh, if they drop one to the Washington Football Team, they win the other, and the Giants fifty fifty. Uh, Jesus, their whole season outlook is a whole lot different. Maybe they miss yeah. the playoffs, and that would be really nice. Every other division would pay to have no repeat winners for the last, I don't know, 50 years or whatever it is for them. Anyway, we'll, we'll try and squeeze one more spin in. Have you got time for that, Jake? I can do one more. Perfect. We'll do a one quick spin. We might not spend too long on it, but we'll see what we get. Here we go. It's a good one. We can cover this one, one pretty quick. Uh, this is, of course, Baker's Browns breakup imminent. What do you think, Jake? Is this going to be a big problem uh, in the future, in this offseason? Are the Browns going to pair company with Baker Mayfield? I'm not 100% sure what his contract situation is. Is this a contract year for him? No, I think he, he has one more year? year. I think he could play on the fifth-year option. Um, I don't think they separate from him. I, they'll definitely. I don't think they'll start the contract talks until it's absolutely last minute. But yeah, um, they were in so much turmoil for so long that yeah, uh, I feel like dropping a quarterback that is at least above the top fifteen quarterbacks in the league or sixteen or whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's probably a mistake. I think you don't have unless you get a, an established veteran. You're just gonna go back mm-hmm. to square one with a rookie, and that's just not gonna go well. But no. How much do you pay him? That's the question. I, I, he is he gonna want top money, considering his performance the past while. 
Um, I don't know, but you forget you can have a successful team in this league with an average quarterback if you have above average other things, especially mm-hmm. the O-line. So if they can get that working, they can be back on track. You don't have to have your Patrick Mahomes, your Aaron Rodgers to win games or Lee or, or the Super Bowl in this league. You just have to be above competent, your, your competition on any given Sunday, as they say. And look, we've seen that already with the Browns when that running back room is on fire. They can run the ball on anyone. They don't need Baker to do anything more than what Kirk Cousins does in in Minnesota. Give the ball off every other play and just take your shots downfield. I'm not I'm not as strongly against Baker Mayfield. I like him. I like his attitude. Uh, I think you're right, Jake. He is that perfect level of quarterback where it's really painful to get rid of him, but you always know deep down as well he's never going to win you anything on his own. But I think the question the Browns have to ask themselves is, are they close to winning anything on their own outside of him? And if they don't, exactly like you mentioned, how much do they pay? And I think that's going to come down to talk to his agent, point out to his agent that, yes, he uh, everything we've said, yeah, he is a good quarterback. He's not a great quarterback. There will not be a line of eight, ten teams, competitive teams, looking to sign Baker Mayfield if he goes into free agency. You might get a few down like the Dolphins or one of those teams, but the Green Bay Packers aren't going to come in and, and snag uh, Baker Mayfield. So I think it's a dangerous tightrope the pair of them are walking at that draft class as well. I think that was a terrible Baker draft Mayfield, class. Baker Mayfield, then Sam Darnold, not on the original team. Josh, um, what's his face? Josh, Josh Rosen. Rosen. Basically yep. out of the league, almost, yeah. on the Falcons. And then uh, Josh Allen, who is uh, the best of them, the four of them quarterbacks. So uh, I, I figure his contract has to be below Allen, unless that's what he's pushing for, is to be above Allen. And on the flip side, this year's draft class for quarterbacks looks abysmal as well. There's no really major generational talents coming out. So it's not like there's a, a bounty to, to grab if you do want to sacrifice and save a few cap dollars. But... Listen, we'll leave it there. Uh, thank you very much for joining me. Uh, we obviously hope that Dara feels better. Everybody listening, if you're following us on Twitter, we're at Under Center Pod. Same on Instagram. You can find us on YouTube as well, Under Center Podcast. If you prefer the audio forms, it's Under Center Podcast, wherever you get them, Spotify, iTunes, podcasts, wherever you happen to want your uh, audio formats from. Jake, thank you very much for joining me today. That was a bit of crack. It was excellent crack. We might have to kick Dara out a few more times. We get to speak about everything and we get to trash the Seahawks at the same time. It's a win-win for everybody. Uh, So thank you all for listening and we'll catch you again next time.